Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's Up Award featuring Trey. Today, we got a very interesting episode. We want to talk about what's happened, what's changed in society, because, you know, a lot of things going on with this uh, race in America today. So, really, I mean, well, what's going on? So, we're going to discuss this sensitive issue. So, any young people out there, hold on tight. So what, what do you uh what do you want to jump in on this thing at? Well, you, you know, or some of the things I've been thinking about, you know, there's always been a pivotal point in history where people recognize things before, during, and after a certain event. And you know, with everything that's happened most recently in not just Minneapolis, mm-hmm. or not just in Louisville, or even locally here in Indianapolis, you know, you, you ask the question, what has changed? Has anything changed before? during and even after the events. You know, you, you go out and you see the masses of individuals that are marching for what they believe to be uh, uh, a need for change, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with the movements, the BLM movements that are out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, you look at the demographics, it's not just, you know, African-Americans that are out there. It's not just young black people out there. There right. are young white people, you know, the individuals that are concerned with how things are going, the inequities, it's, it's going across a very wide spectrum. And so individuals, you know, they, you see the, the faces and you hear the chants and you, you see the walks and unfortunately some of the things that are happening after that, um, where there's properties been destroyed in some cases and there have been many stories back and forth through some root cause on that as well. Yeah, I'd just like to say, well, first of all, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about at this time and mm-hmm. place, depending on when you're, uh, when you're listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. We're talking about these marches, the protests, and uh, mm-hmm. these acts that people are doing to uh, show their feelings in, in light of the uh, attention of so many black people, especially black men, getting killed in America. And I think the, uh, the center or the starter broke the camel's back on this case was Mr. George Floyd. And you alluded to the fact that there are different people more than just black people marching. Mm-hmm. I've seen Amish people out there. You know, the Amish people don't come out for nothing. nothing. It was no. Amish, older white people, people who defied Nazi concentration camps were out there. It's a lot of people. So, obviously, people are tired of the same old thing. You said, has things changed? And, and before, during, and after. So, we got to look at how this country has treated the African American. A lot of people are quick to say, hey, go back to your country. But in reality, nobody owns any of this land. It's really God's land at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when people think, go back to your country, if I recall correctly, the Indians were here first. They're the indigenous people, correct? Mm-hmm. There was no one who was indigenous who came over on a boat. Right. <laughs> so so you, you you, so you telling somebody else to go back to their country, then maybe you're going to have to go too. But in reality, we all should get along. So let's go back to George Floyd. This is something that happens, and uh, with uh, whenever there's a crime committed against police, uh, they always go back to the person who was a victim or getting that attention, and they try to dig up every single thing they can on him, everything he did from from third grade to twelfth grade, everything he did wrong. But we never hear that about the police officers. We never see the disciplinary act he had, or or the write-ups he had, or the complaints, or the psyche valves. Exactly. You know, those are those are all things that are part of their their professional portfolio that before they get on the the force, they have to be vetted, you know, 
by by the local powers that be, this is okay. Now that you've been cleared, now you're gonna take this oath to protect and or, and serve. You know, congratulations. Here's your badge. Here's your shield. Go mm-hmm. forth and do good. You know, to all. <laughs> yeah. Let's put that all out there. The interesting all. thing about that is, mm-hmm. police officers go through training approximately about six months. One of my many skills is uh, I'm a licensed barber. I had to go to school for a year and a half. So it makes me wonder which is more important or which is hard to handle, a pair of clippers or a Glock. So apparently it's the clippers that need more training in because I mean, yeah, I've never here's, heard here's something. About I, I've seen you push back a couple lines. Boy, yeah, so. I, I, I will push back a line or two. I you will know, do that. Um, that's, and you, it's hard to recover from that. Well, you can't it come is. in my shop on Friday <laughs> with a coupon right for a closing time talking about lining me up. You will get the pushback. <laughs> way back. Way, way back. Way back. Hairlines matter. Hairlines. All hairlines matter. I was going to say black hairlines matter the most. No. All hairlines matter. And you know, speaking of that, I'm, I'm neutral on this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting back watching. I'm, 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 me, myself, I think you agree. We're just going to uh, ride out with the Bible's solution on this mm-hmm. and go. But we're still going to report on what's happening now. Mm-hmm. But here and now, absolutely. People are offended when they see that BLM, but they're not offended when they see KKK. Which leads me to wonder, how how come the KKK is not considered a terrorist group? If, by my understanding, a terrorist group is somebody that causes havoc or this, uh, this discriminates against the net race, nationality, gender, different things like that, and the KKK has been doing that for years, mm-hmm. and so I just it just shows you the society we live in, you know. It, do, should the KKK be allowed to? It makes you wonder the idea of any extremist group, for that matter. You know, if, if they're identified as a extremist organization by their views, by their stance, by their actions, does that make them by de facto a terrorist group? Mm-hmm. Let the record speak for itself. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people really don't know what it is. I mean, because if you think back, they said the Black Panthers, the group from the 60s, they called them a terrorist group, and one of the things that they did is they helped start WIC, Women, Infants, and Children, to make sure that pregnant women were actually getting food, and that, uh, that program is still in effect in 2020, and that was a terrorist group. So I'm trying to think, what did the KKK do to benefit society? I'm trying to think. Um, mm. I saw a picture of a guy, a black man, hanging from a tree the other day. And I just looked at that picture. You know, I was just like, wow, this, how can you really just kill somebody like that mm-hmm. and just let them swing and then you stand there with your that's what term picnic comes from they would pick a negro mm-hmm. and hang it by a tree and they call it picnic because they're going to sit there and then they have lunch while the black person is swinging from the tree and they might do other things to them like burn them or mm-hmm. different things like that so um, definitely I'll, one of those things that, that makes you wonder you know why would a organization's uh, beliefs be tolerated in some instances and then you apply that same set of metric and standards to another group but they are not tolerated you know let's 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 even look at even within the 80s you, you may recall the guardian angels that were in in new york city yeah, even, that, even yeah. to this day there are individuals that are that you know the police from what i understand from my limited understanding of that situation there you know they viewed them in some instances as vigilantes because they're going working outside their parameters mm-hmm. for the law. Right. And so now you've got individuals that are working to do betterment in this situation and 
2020 and you're looking at this this movement uh, saying that Black Lives Matter, you know, are they saying that this particular group um, is working outside the the parameters of the law? Or are they working within the law to provide a change or, or, or result in a change? You know, you can look at it a couple of different ways. Individuals could say, hey, you know what? You know, change is not going to happen unless there's a abrupt stop and a pivot point. Mm-hmm. And so are, is George Floyd that pivot point that really, you know, you know, is used as a catalyst for Black Lives Move, Black the Black Lives Matters movement. Yeah. yeah, I think the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't think they really had direction mm-hmm. until the uh, George Floyd uh, thing began, because I think you, to me, it have a movement. You really have to have a plan or agenda, and then you got to get everybody on board. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody was really on board because they really know what they were going to do. Because I think at the end of the day, people are scared. Because let's go back to uh, Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. He was the one who kind of started this whole thing with the kneeling because an army veteran told him, hey, if you know you're unhappy about something, there's police just injustice and so forth, why don't you just uh, kneel during the uh, national anthem or use your platform like that? Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, cool, I'll go ahead and kneel. You know, just say that. It was a silent protest. People got upset. Mm-hmm. They were mad because this man was kneeling during that national anthem. So they, they spun it and said, he's disrespecting the veterans and the flag. Nobody in their right mind could make that connection. That does not make any sense to me at all. And they, then they also said, well, we don't want that stuff being brought to our football game. We want to hear play football. But how many people sit at home, put their hand over their heart during the national anthem when they were at home watching football and the other sport? So I think you should take the national anthem out the, out the whole thing anyway because it was a racist mm-hmm. uh, uh, theme anyway. Yeah, and on top of that, let's kind of spin this a whole other direction when when you have some commentators on some networks that come back and say, shut up and dribble. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Do we, I mean, do we really need to, you know, go any different different path? You know, if, you, if you're trying to use your, your platform to fight injustice, and then someone else says, just shut up and, and dribble. Mm-hmm. Shut up and throw the ball. Or right. just take it, suck it up and be quiet. Mm-hmm. So then, what do, you, what do you say to that? I think a lot of people know that that's wrong and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, people are ruled by money. I think mm-hmm. the saying is cream. Cash rules everything around me. Mm-hmm. With that mindset, mm-hmm. they know that people have a price. So I'm not going to lose my money for you because a lot of times, up until recently, you wouldn't hear no black celebrities come out and saying, hey, this is wrong. Now they, They're kind of hesitantly coming out that the will work now, but you're definitely not going to hear your worldly ministers. Mm-hmm. I don't hear T.D. Jake saying nothing. I don't hear Joel Osteen saying nothing about all these other people they run through getting millions of dollars. They ain't saying nothing because they don't want to mess up their tax breaks from the government. Mm-hmm. So, and these athletes, they're not willing to stand together because the pay is not the same. And Definitely inequities. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so if that pay is not the same, LeBron James gets probably, what, uh, $30,000 a minute, something like that, where the other guy off the bench, he's still doing okay. He's making more money than me, but he don't want to mess up his money because he got four or five cars. He got a, he rented a house. He's trying to put his family on. Mm-hmm. So he really can't say nothing. It's not like we're going to stand up for him and the owners of these NBA teams. His brand is not as strong. Right. If your brand is strong, then, you know, you have more to – to gain or dare I say even lose if it goes the wrong way. Well, look look what the owners do. They have a clause in their contract that they're going to get paid regardless. You're going to strike, something happen, they got mm-hmm. a fund where they still get their money. Mm-hmm. 
the NFL or NBA and all those, they need to work that out too. You still get your money. This is a guaranteed contract. We should work that out because the owners of football are saying if anybody kneels on this team, they ain't got to show up at work tomorrow. Mm. So then, how you going to tell somebody that you can't kneel? I mean, that's already in, law, in the law. Yeah. And some of the things that are going out there, you, you're hearing more and more GMs and more owners speak one way or the other. Like, take, for example, the owners down in Jacksonville. You know, they made it very clear that they will support the, the Black Lives Movement. Um, you have recently um, the GM for for even Indianapolis. Now, granted, he is not out marching, but you know he says definitely there are some issues that need to be addressed. Um, and using their their platform in whatever way to get things resolved. Now, one way or the other, you know, either you're going to go you know more toward centric view on and let's kind of do things, you know, the grassroots, the community, or are you on that front line person, you know, with, with the fists clenched and raising, you know, all kind of cane trying to get things resolved. You know, there's, I think a lot of them fall between that range there. I don't think you're going to see a lot of folks that say, I'm not going to say anything at all and not do anything. I mean, even if I can go and say even, even Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, mm-hmm. who's from Oklahoma, says, I will be taking a knee. Right. I mean, but why are they doing this now? Why do you think everybody's suddenly realizing that, mm. that black it's, lives matter? Well, can't, can't speak for what his motivation is, but, you know, for one of the things that are that's going on out there, I think a lot of folks, you know, do they see that they have some type of power and or influence? And one way or the other, are they trying to shift things? A paradigm shift? You know, a paradigm shift, a mind shift for them, absolutely. Well, I say, this is my opinion. I think people are starting to get on this black lives matter tip not because they suddenly realize it, but because you see, like you said, all those people come together. These people have a, a huge impact financially. Mm-hmm. So if I got a company and I'm making money, especially e-commerce now, I'm seeing money coming this way, that way. I can't care about black, white, or green. I care. I mean, I, mean, I care about green. Mm-hmm. So if these people say, hey, we're going to boycott this place. Y'all doing this and that. Because now these people come out and talk about the N-word, the competitive flag, they're losing their job. Oh, yeah. It's, it's hitting their P&L now. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so, so I yeah, think that absolutely. money is good. So absolutely. when you when you get black and brown people coming together and they're putting their finances together, that's the same thing Martin Luther King did back in the days. He had the poor people's march. And when he had the poor people's march, they're like, oh, we just do it already. I shut down the bus system for 18 months. If people start, you don't have to do, you don't have to buy people's product. I don't have to go to this car lot. I can go where somebody treat me like I'm a fair person. Well, you see the other part of it too. They almost tried to make using Montgomery as an example. They tried to make it illegal to even do ride share, as it were. If I understand, understand it correctly, oh, oh, they, yeah. they oh, were yeah. trying to. They, that was, you know, strong army individuals. You know, you can't. You, no, you either you use the, the the legal livery service or you get on the bus or you walk. And so, what did they do? Of course. They walked. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they'll do. Yeah. They always change. Society yeah. always changes the rules so the underdog can lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go look at sports. For example, Tiger Woods is one of the best golfers ever. He came out. He was killing them. You know what they did? Change, you can't certain clubs. You can't have them. They changed the clubs, <laughs> and they redesigned golf courses uh-huh. to make it harder for him, even though it had to be hard for everybody else, just so he couldn't dominate because oh, yeah. he was a black man. Because, look, okay. if you think about it, I get racism. I understand it. Because let's, let's just try to understand this. If your parents, 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 I say, hey, we got to make some money. Well, what, what can we do? Somebody say, hey, why don't we go get some slaves or whatever, and then they get, we convince these guns to get the gun, whatever. They bring the slaves over now. Now, these people are working for you doing something. Your life easy. You know, and they're doing all the work for you, but yet still black people have a reputation for being lazy, but they did all this work. 
So now the slaves who did everything for you suddenly say, you know what? We don't want to be slaves no more. We're going to take this over. People say, yeah, that's not right. So now you're no longer a slave. Now you're equal. Now you've got a house next to mine. And since you're already, quote unquote, lazy, but somehow you got a strong work ethic, you get out there, you hustling and grinding. I built all these houses. Maybe I got some people off my back now. Maybe I can build an even better house. I can do this and that. Because people actually got in Congress when they uh, were no longer slaves. They, they were actually oh, yeah. in Congress. Oh, yeah. They had their own town called Black Wall Street. Oh, yeah. It was thriving. Yep, Tulsa. And it was thriving. They was doing their thing. People got mad at them, and they came and burnt it down. Right. Tore it down to the ground. But I understand, too, a little bit of that situation, too. Then. There allegedly was a situation between a young black male and a, a young white female. Always. That was in, in, in the, the either downtown Tulsa or the elevator jumped, and they were both in there. Yeah, and she screamed. She screamed, and he ran out. And, you know, things kind of blew up from that as well, too. You know, here, here's something. Let, let, let me talk about a paradigm shift for you. Let me ask you this. Let's say that with all the activities that are going on, we know that there are some centralist groups that have a predominant demographic, white, black, or other. Okay? Yes. What would happen to the gun laws if, Everybody. if, if a lot of African Americans suddenly became paying members of the NRA? I already know. What, what, would happen? Know what, 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 what would happen to the, to the gun law then? They change the law. You, you can only have a gun if nobody your family has a felony, if you paid your taxes, if you had you got a ticket left. They'll change the rules. So then they're basically trying to amend the law, the Second Amendment now, to fit the framework of what you believe would be that new situation, that paradigm of, hey, you know what? Let's, I mean, let's think about it. Who had the skit? And they had a... Uh, the one, the one, the two, two white guys and the black guy who was actually, hey, I'm gonna join the NRA too. They say, hey, hold on now, hold on, wait a minute. That's not that's exactly what we meant by that. No, 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 we all could be gun voting yeah. members of society now. I like that, that's great. Give me my gun too. Yeah. Um, well, people were in the service, okay, and they came home from the service. The black people were not allowed to keep their guns. They didn't want they. You know, in this country, we have a love hate relationship with with America as, as African American because. We don't really have a great song for black people to sing other than, uh, what's that, James Brown, Living in America? Uh-huh. Uh, Living in America. But after uh, he sang that song, uh, the dude killed uh, the black dude. Uh, what's it with the black dude? Uh, what's, what, what's the dude's name uh, in uh, the Rocky movie? Oh, Carl Hall- Weathers. Oh, Hollow Creed. Hollow Creed, yeah. He got killed right after he sang that song. <laughs> and he made Michael B. Jordan... Uh, 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 orphan. Yeah. So we don't have no songs we love about America. <laughs> we don't have that. Well, other people are like Born in America. What's, what's, what's some of the black, uh, white song, the famous songs? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, something about Born in the USA. Yeah, you all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't have songs like that. In fact, black people created the blues. The whole genre telling you about how bad it is in America. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, but they will tell you. Uh, I heard a comedian the other day. He said they will tell you songs, places to go that's safe, like go down to Miami with the, the girls are hot, and all that uh-huh. stuff, and mm-hmm. you know. But we don't really have that relationship because it's two different Americas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been racially profiled. I had yeah. police pull me over, put the gun to my head, tell me next time search my car. I never had a drink in my life. I never touched a drug. But yet still, I was profiled by cops and told me that they're gonna get me next time because I was apparently using drugs. And I'm like, okay. I was, I was so shocked. You just, you just don't expect that type of thing, even in 2020. Mm. 
So, I mean, but, but that's the world we live in. And I think I was telling you earlier about there was a country, I think Norway. Okay. That uh, they haven't, a cop hasn't shot nobody in over 10 years. Hmm. And the person they did shoot 10 well, years. Well, why not? What are they doing wrong? Well, I think over there, you you got to understand that, well, let's talk about the defend, defunding of the police department. I think you said that. Mm-hmm. What, what is defunding of the police department? What is that really talking about? Well, it sounds like, from what I've been understanding, they're looking to allocate funds to go to different resources while still protecting and serving the community in different ways. Kind of like having, instead of having a, a, a group of just police officers, you want to have uh, public safety officers, mm-hmm. whereby their skill set, they can respond to... Uh, a robbery, or they can respond to a EMS situation, or they can respond to a fire. So by their by their extension, they have the ability to be true public service officers and not just you know crime fighting individuals. Mm-hmm. So you know it's one of those things where they, can they respond to a situation with domestic violence? Do they have the skills to do that situation? Uh, does it require talking someone down versus choking them out? Can they respond to a fire? Okay, do they have the gear in the back of their car to actually go and meet the pump truck or the ladder truck and do the, the, the requisite things to put out a, a fire to save a residence or life? Um, can they go back and see someone speeding? Can they stop that person from speeding? That's a lot and of then, that's, those, those, those are a lot of different things whereby you have that defunding, all those funds being funneled to just one particular segment or one particular uh, department, those things are now being used in a wider scope versus, you know, just police, but now it's all inclusive when it comes to public safety. Oh, yeah, and I can see that defunding, because I think the term defunding is, is scary to see with such, such a mm-hmm. word you really don't know, and, and sometimes the media can twist things and make things look one way even though it's mm-hmm. not. So you're not getting rid of the police department. You're just not going to give. You them still have public money. service. They're just not. They're right. just not identified as as just police officers. Yeah, you're not going to give them all that extra money to do extra stuff. Because I think the LAPD department. I think they have a three hundred million dollar budget. Hmm. And then one congressman came out the other day. He said, "What they're going to do is try to give police officers an incentive, give them more money, if they take the sensitivity training classes." How will that work by me giving you more money to do the job right that you're not doing right now? Now, you can't choke out black people anymore. You can't do that. You can't shoot them when they run away. You can't lie. And all. But if you don't do it, you do everything you're supposed <laughs> to do your job, not only would I pay you a nice salary, but I'm going to give you a bonus. Here, here, here's the cynic in me. The cynic in me is going to say, hey, you know what? In 2012, 2020, we had, you know, 5,000 arrests that resulted in police apprehending X number of individuals. And so that had about mm, 500 chokes. 500. 500 chokes yeah. out of 5,000. Right. Okay. So at what percentage did we drop down our chokes from 500? So now we're at 450. So that tells us that sensitivity training is working because we working. had a net drop of 50 less chokeholds. There you go. So 50 people walk around choke-free. But it worked. Yeah. And and people can... Unless you're one of those 450 folks that got choked out in 2021. Yeah, yeah. But you could have been. You wouldn't have did. So why would we want to defund something if if actually, if it's working, we're trending in the right direction? You got to understand that the people who uh, are in this country in charge are the minority. And you really don't have respect for the minority because... What do you do? You, you you don't have as much money, and you have much power. So really, why do I have to respect you? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, anytime there's change, 
It's bloodshed. It's really that's based off that, that centric thinking. You know, are you one of us? Do I recognize being one of you? They'll never, they'll never see you as equal because exactly. on the books, the Constitution exactly. a black man is three fifths of a man. And that's still on the books today. Well, if, but if that's the case, then then the United Nations needs to put black folks on the endangered species list. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely should do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but put, they, put me right next to the panda but and the, the koala. <laughs> well, the, I identify as pandish. Can you can you keep me safe? That goes back into uh, reparations too. <laughs> should black people get reparations? Mm. They, they were talking about we were promised forty acres and a mule back in the day. Mm. And, and I, now I don't need a mule nowadays. <laughs> but uh, I take I, the forty acres. I take that mule and that forty acres because <laughs> that mule. I mean, you know, that, that's back in the day. You you didn't have no money if you had a horse. But you had a car, you was a man. But now you got a car, okay, you're all right. But you got horses, you got money. You know how much hassle people got when they got the Obama phone? Oh, my gosh. You think, what do you think they're going to do when you give out, give someone a mule or a car? Yeah, that's Come true. Well, some, some people buy eat it. You never know. But that 40 acres, I think, equivalent to money, how much is an acre? About $5,000 per acre? Mm-hmm. I think it's about five. Let's just call it low end, $5,000. So 40 times five, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you, because look, the... Oh, so many things. I'm also thinking about this this Confederate flag. They said the Nazi sign is to Jewish people what the Confederate flag is to black people, mm-hmm. and they they're just not starting to realize that. And in the NASCAR, there was an incident where uh, I think his name was Bubba Wallace. Mm-hmm. Interesting name, but uh, he they supposedly had found a noose in his uh, car stall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the team got behind me. And I watched him on an interview. He said, what happened? The owner of NASCAR said, hey, I need to talk to you. He said, oh, man, what I do? Did I do something wrong? He said, I'm going to come down and talk to you in person. He comes down and talk to him in person. He said, he got tears in his eyes. He said, man, I'm sorry we found a noose in your, in your area. And uh, we're mm-hmm. sorry we don't tolerate this stuff, yada, yada, yada. So he started crying. He's glad his family wasn't hurting nothing. But then again, he was like, man, you know, this 2020, and I'm still dealing. So he asked him, can, you know, can we take down that uh, Confederate flag? Mm-hmm. I believe he had asked him that day, can we take down the Confederate flag? And they said, okay, we're going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And then a noose appears. Well, later on, NASCAR comes out and says, well, you know what? It wasn't really a noose. It was just the wire from a garage door that had been in a while. Nobody knew it was going to be there. I had a garage door wire break before, mm. and I had a noose left for me at my job, which I was a supervisor of. Can you tell the difference It's a more? slight difference. Can you tell the difference It's a more? big difference. Mm. A noose, you can hang around your neck and kill you with it hang, but a wire, you got to work for that. It's a sprayed wire. But I understand that NASCAR had... I'm afraid not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they had to spin uh, it around and make yeah. sure, you know what? Okay. You know what? Okay. We, 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 we get okay. it. It's not necessarily that. So, yeah. So, with, with that being said, let's, 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 uh, let, me, let me jump into this congressman I, I, I recorded the other day. Mm-hmm. He, he says, I'm not, let's listen for a few minutes. I just want to hear what this guy said. I was so impressed by what he said. He, he really didn't want to talk about a bill because I sat in on it uh, at my job. At my insurance job, they sent us to learn how bills go through Congress. Mm-hmm. And a bill comes through, and they somebody introduces it, then they got to go through two, three times. Mm-hmm. You got like one minute to, or two, three minutes to get like as many bills as you can. It's like a speed talk. Then the bill committee looks at, okay, we'll accept this one, this one, this one, then you got to come back again. Anyway. A lot they, of line items added in, removed, yeah. and, and changed. And they they water the same, them down. Same thing as, as the initial, yeah. yeah. L- listen to what this congressman said uh, and, and, and how he responded. He really didn't want to go there, but, but, but listen to what he said. To not have the type of conversation. That's why we agreed to the amendments. But since we are here, and since I won't, I didn't want to start it, but I ain't going to run from it. So if we wanted to fully have a conversation, we shouldn't have watered down the damn bill. We had a, we had a commitment. 
And and at this point, Blake, you had, I, I did everything I said I was going to do. I watered down my bill. We watered down this one to prevent what I'm about to do right now. If we wanted to have a full conversation, we wouldn't have changed the wording of the bill. We all know that police officers get murdered. But you know what happens to the people that murder police officers? If they survive, they get arrested. You know what happens to police officers that kill people that look like me, Blake, Tony? They get a taxpayer-funded vacation. In Baton Rouge, Blaine Salamone got a taxpayer-funded vacation for over a year. Then when he got fired, you know what happened? The union and everybody could walk out. I don't, give, I don't care who walks out. Because I agreed that we weren't going to do this, did not Blake? But we are here now. Tony and committee talked about the fact that as a police officer, he's, he's had to fire some of his friends for pepper spraying somebody in handcuffs. Tony, I was pepper sprayed in handcuffs by a police officer, a white one. Dodie and committee said, oh, if something happens to you and you see, and, and I'll intervene. And you said, if something happened to me, you said that I would intervene. And Dodie, as a man, I probably want to intervene, but as a black man, I'm not intervening if a cop is doing something to you. Because why I love you, I love my daughter even more, and I got to go home to her. And I don't have a trust enough for me to intervene that I won't get shot and killed. We talk about the taser incident. Brian Fontenot, you talked about the taser incident of a guy in Atlanta. And you said that that was an adequate police shooting. They had another taser incident of a white man who took a taser from a cop. The cop ran away. The same person stole a police car. Did he get shot and killed? Hell no. Had it been black, he'd have been shot and killed. That's why we are here. That's why you see several people, white, black, young, old, marching over, not just streets in Louisiana, streets all across the country. I will concede that there is an issue with police brutality, period. Way too often when the victim of that brutality is an African-American, that officer skates. And the first thing you see is when that black boy was suspended from the fifth grade or when he got kicked off his football team. You don't see all the disciplinary actions of the officer. You didn't see after Alton Sterling got killed that Blaine Salamone, the person that trained him, sent an email that said he should have never been a police officer, said he was psychotic. But you know what happened? He walked on the scene, and I appreciate, I don't need water, and I appreciate the, the amendment that says several because the, uh, the first piece of legislation only mentioned George Floyd. Blake, we could have filled five pages up with names. Five pages up. And you know what happened to Blaine Salamone? After he killed Alton Sterling, after one officer was being calm, within five seconds, he showed up and said, B-I-T-C-H, I'll kill you. And within less than a minute, he fulfilled his promise. Yusef Amadi, a police officer in Baton Rouge. Three years ago, he killed a person. Since we going there, we going there. We're going to talk about it all. He killed a young black man. Two years ago, he shot at another one. He said, the man fired a shot at me, so I returned two rounds of fire. Everybody says, get body cameras. You know what happened to the body camera? Turned off. You know what happened to the front dash cam camera? Turned off. You know what happened to the rear camera? It was tilted down. And when this young African-American male was paraded across the screen in handcuffs, he said, check the tape, check the tape. I never had a gun. Thank God for that rear cam recording because it didn't have any footage but it had audio. All you heard was two shots. Yusef Amadi was a liar. 
You know what happened? He was fired, and guess what? He was fired after almost a year because our DA wouldn't prosecute him. Then he went to the police union and got his job back. Tony, you passed the bill last session that made it illegal to throw water on police officers. When stuff happens to police officers, we respond. When stuff happens to African-American males, we come up here in kumbaya, but we don't respond with action. Representative Jay, one, one minute left. We were still under the five minutes. Mr. Speaker, thank you. Because I didn't want to do this, and I agreed not to do it. But since there's, a, there's an ask to talk about the entire issue, let's talk about the entire issue. Ladies and gentlemen, they might be words to you, and if you're offended by the words, we, some of us, are offended by the actions. Blake made a good point. Blake has, has, has children of color. And when you stood back there and you said, I'm concerned about them, that hit me. And I'm concerned about them as well. And I know some of you guys are uncomfortable right now. This is, this is supposed to be an uncomfortable conversation. But thank God that you have to deal with an uncomfortable conversation and not an uncomfortable life when lights are shining behind you. And if you think that this, this little stupid pen right here prevents me from, from feeling fear, it doesn't. Because as a member from this body, I get my hair cut on Nicholson Drive. Many of you have passed by. On a date, sunny day, five of us are standing outside. Police officers pull up. Nothing happened. Give me your identification. So I said, okay. I had it in my legislative car, in, my, in, a, in a car for my law office. Oh, we're sorry. And many of you are probably give them the benefit of the doubt. Something must have happened. No, it didn't. Because I called the precinct captain. They didn't have a call. Five black men standing outside and three officers pulled up. And then one of them had the audacity to tell me I thought you were one of them. I am one of them. Just because I had this pen didn't make me any different. And I want you guys to know that despite the title, as soon as I walk out of here, to many people, I'm just one of them. All right? Four. All right. That's everything in two about. Okay. So the question we have in mind is what? So, war, what has changed? That is the question. I, I think, you know, when my father was a kid, mm-hmm. his mother had explained to him what happened to a man called Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. man from Chicago went down south. He ended up getting lynched because they said he whistled at a white lady. Not too long ago, I had to tell my kids about Trayvon Martin. Now people tell their kids about George Floyd. Well, let's not forget, you know, our parents even talked to us about, hey, you know what? Rodney King. Yeah, yeah. There's always been, there has always been a pivot point after an event like this. Mm-hmm. So the question in all these instances, Emmett Till, Rodney King, uh, George Floyd, what's changed? Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, what's changed? Sandra Bland. I mean, we can go on and on. It's, Rihanna, what's changed? I think what's, what's changed is, number one, there's video cameras, mm-hmm. and people still aren't doing it. So the police, when you think about this, the there, was, there was video of Rodney. That's true. That's true. And they, they got off and, and yeah. But the police are a fraternity, a fraternity, a fraternity or FOP. So when you think of a fraternity, they look out for each other. There's that wall of blue. And society, the government actually allows police to mistreat poor people because that's black, white, brown, whatever. If you're poor, they, they're going to mistreat you because that makes the other people feel more comfortable. They can justify it. And, and someone recently said that black people commit more crimes. That's why they do it. That's not true. Here's the facts. If you have more police presence in a minority uh, area, 
then they're going to harass you more. They're going to get you for jaywalking. They're going to charge you more things. So you can pad the stats. So you can say, see, they're committing more crimes. Over. That's why they get more police. But in reality, they did a study that showed that people of, of, of non-color are the ones who commit more crimes. Hmm. How many black serial killers have you heard of? How many black people go to Vegas and shoot up stuff and with an AK-47? How many schools get sh- How many black people or Mexican people killing kids at school? And every time they talk about it, well, we got to talk about this gun. Now it's not the Who's time. shooting at movie theaters? All the time. Well, if we can go there for just a second, let's, let's even ask this question. Who has the money and the resources and the reach to bring the guns, to bring the drugs into the U.S.? Is it... No. Trey, dare I say Sam, dare I say Ward, dare I say George, that has the ability to bring those things into the country? Mm-hmm. Who has the reach? Who has the ability? Who has the resource to do those things? It's not the guy pushing the nickel bag on the corner. Right. Where's it coming from? Yeah. Go, go, go to the source. Yeah. Follow the money. There you go. But I think a lot of people don't want to do that because... This society because it's an inconvenient truth. Right. Yeah. Do you want to hear the the ugly truth or the pretty lie? That's what it boils mm-hmm. down to. And a lot of times people choose to do that because the people that like you said are in control. They control the media too. I read an uh, article in a magazine, one of my favorite magazines, that said, uh, "Can you trust the media? Mm-hmm. The media shows what shows they want you to see, and they can they can desensitize you to stuff, and they can also." have everybody shape the way we think. Look look at it. Recently we had a toilet paper shortage because why did they have the toilet paper? What do we call the toilet? What, what happened? Corona. Oh yeah, the coronavirus. So everybody started getting getting uh toilet paper. So I'm thinking, because they kept putting that on TV, showing and showing it, and then so what people go out and do? They, they start doing acting like wow. It's the optics. That's yeah. what they call it. Yeah. And you can skew those numbers to look any way you want to. Oh, hey, you know what? This store doesn't have anything. But lo, lo and behold, they don't see the delivery guy bringing in the bread right. and the toilet paper and reloading the shelves. But when they go there, this just in, Jim. Right. The, the, the shelves are bare. You better hurry up and start getting everything you need right now. Hurry, yeah. hurry, hurry. And meanwhile, the stalker's like, what, what, are, they, what are they doing? doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's the optics. Definitely that, and uh, I, I I went to the store myself. Went to the grocery store. I stood in that line for like four hours. I was really worried. I walked. I've never seen Walmart bare. I found myself looking at stuff I don't even like. I was looking at cat food. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have a cat? Not really, but still, it was four for a dollar. I couldn't pass up. But I'm thinking, you don't know. I mean, they they eat. They people was acting like stuff was going up, and then yes. people were getting mad at other people because they had a buggy full of stuff. Say some for somebody else. I had mixed. Up. I you mean know. you? Right. <laughs> should, should, should I not get the stuff? I don't know. I, I just yeah. don't know, man. You know, they got food pantries and stuff out there, and um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just the world we live in, and, and I understand it. It, it, it was said it was going to be like this one day, but to actually go through it, it's, it's, it's surreal. Yeah, it's surreal. It's I mean, it's, it's just yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a challenging time we live in. So you, the question you you ask again is, what has changed? I mean, uh, I think it's getting worse. But then again, is it getting better? Because, like I said, I understand racism. Because, like I said, you you never wanted us to be your equal. But now you have to face reality that we are equal. And the people now are the, the children's children's children. They're not really into that racist stuff no more. They're like, man, we just want to get along with everybody. I, I mean, I, why do I, I want to hate this guy? Well, you know, here's the funny thing about that, too. You can say people are being our, our equals, level playing fields. But not everyone's being treated fairly. 
That's true. I agree with that totally. Because mm-hmm. I think if you go to court, if a, if a black guy and a white guy commit the same crime, why is it that this guy can get triple life and this guy gets parole because he might have a bright future? I think the law should be simple like this. If you, if you kill somebody, you get five years. You know, if you do this, you get changed. Whatever, just be the same for whatever it is. So it really shouldn't be no reason for bias. I mean, I don't see how you do it because I really don't feel comfortable with lawyers. Uh, you know what? We have a person here who actually works in the court. Let, let me ask her. Uh, please, please, ma'am, tell us your name. Hi, I'm Kobe. Kobe, Kobe, tell us what, what are some things that you notice about lawyers? You don't have to say any lawyers' name in particular, but is there any patterns that lawyers have that you see or or or? What can you say? Well, um, there's definitely a, a pattern I do notice within attorneys and lawyers that come into court. Very arrogant, very much. Um, I know what it is, and I'm gonna. Sometimes it's funny to watch them think that they can tell the judge how the case is gonna go or what they want or things like that. Lawyers don't tend to ask for things. They kind of say, "This is what I want." It's very much um, my way. Really spin doctors. Oh yeah. Yeah. They can spin to whatever they feel. Yeah, they they they'll paint a picture to like they. A lot of times I've noticed lawyers when they have their their clients with them, they always it's always their client was the one that was harmed in the process. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the defendant has been living in moldy, roach infested, all kinds of stuff, but yet the client is at uh, is the one suffering because their rent wasn't paid for three months. But they're not holding up their end of the bargain by taking the. They're required to keep the uh, apartments clean, safe, and habitable. Mm. They don't hold that end up. So it's like they always try to say, "Well, yeah, that that may have went wrong, but this is what happened to us. Like, look, look what happened to us." And it's like, okay, but what did what what have you done to at least cater to the situation? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, that's that's important to know too that when people write a contract, the contract normally benefits the person who's presenting the contract to you. So, for example, if you don't pay your rent by the 5th, then there's this late fee and blah, blah, blah. But they don't write in that contract, well, if I don't fix your heat in the winter, I'm going to put you in another place immediately. They don't have to say all that, and you sign it. So, with that in mind, a guy, he was pretty smart when a a company at the bank offered him a credit card. And he uh, retyped up all the literature again and added something different. He added the bottom... I can get unlimited money from you guys at 0% interest for the rest of my life. And if you guys try to change this at any time, then you had to pay me X amount of money and pay court for the out. Well, the bank signed it. And then they, he went on about a couple of years and they realized, hey, wait a minute, we give this guy whatever he wants for no money. We're going we're gonna to rule this, you know, down the void. And then we're going to go. They took him to court and tried to sue him. I said, like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, they went to court. And then the, and the, the uh, judge said, wait a minute, did you guys sign it? And the, the bank was like, well, yeah, but we didn't read it. And they said, oh, and there's a cat called, you know, <laughs> black or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so people just, I think courts kind of get over on somebody. And let's face it, the people who normally come to court, there are. Many times a victim. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you've seen people come in there where mm-hmm. the person really didn't do anything, but he really needed something. But since he can't afford this lawyer, and lawyer's going to put their spin on it, mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. Another story. I, I went to, I had to go to court last year because I had took my car to a, uh, a auto shop or oil change. Well, the auto shop breaks the hood latch. I had a Volvo at the time. Mm. So I said, hey, the guy, he comes in and he was speaking another language to the shop owner about the check engine light on saying, hey, your hood's not right. And then the guy said, yeah, well, my guy said your hood light was on. Did you notice? I said, no, if the hood light would have been on, you would have wrote that down from the beginning. He said, okay, you're right. He said, I think we broke. He said, why don't you go out and get an estimate on it and we'll fix it. I said, can't you guys do it? He said, we can't fix a foreign car. 
I said, no problem. I go to Volvo, come back. They say it's going to be $1,200. Fix that. He broke the latch. The guy says, no, we ain't paying that kind of money. I said, well, okay. I called the cops. And then the cops say, y'all got to go to court. I go to court. The court tells me, well, since he's a small business, he needs to get a lawyer. We got to have a continuance. I came back again. The guy said, I didn't have my money to get my lawyer. Came back a third time. He said, okay, the lawyer said we want to ask for a continuance to get more time. Came back a fourth time. Finally, we get there. His lawyer goes off on me, tried to discredit me, saying that I, uh, did I get my oil changed? Yes, I did. That's why you went there, so why are we in court? Okay, we're here because he broke my hood latch, which he hasn't said in writing. Mm -hmm. The lawyer goes on and on, telling him he has pictures for demonstrative purposes, that's what he said, which is an extreme exaggeration. He showed a car, when he said the hood latch was just a little thing, all he had to do was put some oil in it, could have fixed it. That's what he said. I said, that's not the case. So he starts telling me that, that he has all these, uh, paperwork through. I said, well, why did I go to Volvo to get an estimate to show that my hood latch was broken by this shop if I could just come to court and let this lawyer tell me that wasn't the case? So I, I ended up winning the case, but I only won half the money because I didn't bring in the other uh, supportive documents to show that Volvo's has two latches. He showed a car, which he said was my car, that we proved it wasn't even my car. And he showed one latch was broke. And since I didn't have the other documentation, they only gave me like $650 instead mm. of $1,300. I took the money and, and went with it. But I did learn from that point on that lawyers, they they weren't in there. Mm -hmm. But they'll take your story and flip it and spin it mm -hmm. and try to attack you just like what's happening with these uh, situations in the world today with these race relations. The person who thinks they can out-talk you, out-smart you, exactly. they want to keep you down. That's your place. You don't need to be up here on this playing field. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why I, I, I just don't feel comfortable going to court. So... Well, that's kind of interesting because, again, it goes back to that whole point, though. Everyone was treated equally in court, but it, was, it wasn't a true fair outcome. Let's look at it that way. Right. Yeah. You, so you're saying they are treated fairly in court? I said, everyone is treated equally, but they're not treated fairly because, again, at the end of the day, you had testimony saying that the, the garage broke your latch. Mm -hmm. They admitted to it. Right. But they came back with the spin doctor lawyer says, hey, look, you know, this is actually just one latch, not two. Uh, yeah. And he just needed yeah. oil on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm sure there's many cases out there. And I think mm -hmm. that the bad thing about it is when people get fed up, they react. It kind of goes to here. Like we were saying about these race relations now. The same, was it 842? Is that what George Floyd was at the amount of time that he was, uh, that the police mm -hmm. officer had his knee on his neck? Mm -hmm. When you think about how, how long can you hold your breath on the water? Maybe two, two minutes if you're good? I can't do it that long. Uh, I probably go a good 32 seconds. I'm thinking about 30 seconds for me. Yeah, yeah. but I think some people can go two minutes. I, maybe even four. I don't know. But I'm just saying, for him, to that guy to do it, you, you got to make sure you get the right charge when you send somebody to court, too. Because you say murder, you're trying to say this dude woke up that morning, was premeditated. Yeah, I, I'm going to kill this black. So that you get off on that. Yeah. But what, what can make a person... And oh, here's another side bit of information. They said George Floyd and the guy who killed him used to work at the same club because his bouncers and they had beef all the time because the white cop allegedly would always harass black people coming in the club. You know, there were mm. more women than men. And the, and the George Floyd used to always say, Man, no, this dude's cool, man, let him in. Why are you doing this stuff? And all you can't be treating people like that. And they said they had beef over the years. And then wow. when this came down, so hey, that's. So, could, so would the. Party representing George Floyd's estate, could they go back and say it could be premeditated now? 
That's very interesting if that were the case. I think it depends on the lawyer you have. Exactly. If you got the good lawyer, you could pretty much say anything. I've heard true stories of cases where a guy was trying to rob a school and he was running on top of the building and it caved in. He sued the school for the roof not being strong and he won. Mm. Wow. I've heard a story of a woman who was sued by her husband because she wore makeup all the time and they went to uh, uh, the wedding uh, and she got in the water or something and her makeup mm-hmm. came off and she got water in there he sued her and he won. So it depends on what lawyer you have well, to determine <laughs> which you can win. You know the reason why there's all those warnings on hot cups when you go to the drive-thru? Because a woman actually spilled oh, hot yeah. coffee on herself in the drive-thru. Yeah. There was no warning on the cup. She won. Oh yeah, I She won that. big. And so now, guess what? You look at any cup as you go through the drive-thru or any cup that has got any hot liquid on it, warning, contents may be hot. It's emboldened on every single. I, I agree. Religious, religious that that one I agree with because that was hot. But the one, one. But you were getting hot coffee. You wouldn't know that the contents were hot. But but some you, people. Or, what would you like? I, could I please have a medium hot coffee, two cream, two sugar, extra whip. Oh, by the way, the contents may be hot. However, you that's gotta, what I wanted. You, you got to keep in mind. <laughs> at, at my job, we have a memo that clearly states that. Uh, most people in the state of Indiana are reading at the fifth grade level. Mm. That's a fact. So you have to do those. Uh, There's a story of a lady who sued the uh, RV industry because she put her RV on cruise and went to back and went to sleep. And her, her, her <laughs> RV was going on the street and ended up flipping over several times. And she lived and she sued them. And she's a multi-millionaire right now because they had to put down the thing now. Cruise control, but do not leave unattended. Mm. So, like I said, it goes back to what type of lawyer you got. You got a good lawyer, you can you can do anything. That goes back to now we're now we're speaking to the truly lowest common denominator of society. If you cannot understand that you must be a occupant in control of a vehicle mm. under cruise control, wow. Well common sense wow. is not common. Yeah. yeah. Co- yeah. To me common sense is like deodorant. The people who need it most never use it. Oh, mm. Never use that. So I'm just, And the rest of us suffer. That's right. <laughs> we all have to pay the price. The rest of us suffer. And, and like I used to tell my yeah. my students, I see school. You know what? You can put right guard on the left side too. Hi. You can do that. Yeah. You can do that. But yeah, you, but let's be totally honest and serious. People, lawyers sometimes can uh, be snakes, yeah. and people who are greedy in this country and they want to win. That's why you have racism is actually big money. It's big money and racism. Mm-hmm. Seriously, because if I can. If I can get this person who doesn't have a lot of money to think he's better than that man who have no money, and then I can give him a, a break that I'm not giving him, that's gonna cause ascension. Mm-hmm. So if I get the ascension going on, now I can you now you wanna get in, now you gotta work, you know what I'm saying? I can charge you mm-hmm. more money him. You ever heard of redlining? Oh yeah. Yeah, they, that's why I said I, I hate that they in downtown Indianapolis right now they have a red line. <laughs> around there. And if anybody ever know what redlining was, I'm not even going to tell people that. I'm going to let you do the research. research. Yeah, do find research out. and find out why they so comfortable saying redlining. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So, um... Or know, the, the new bus line they see down there is called the red line. And what does it run through? The red line district. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So It's expressed for a reason, but who's getting on that bus? Take a look and see. Look over there. Yep, yep. By so. Illinois and, and, and uh, you see. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot, not, lot. They're not your, uh, they're not your, let's just say they're not your C-suite individuals going to work. That, that red line don't, don't run the Carmel. No, you know, it actually stops at Meridian. <laughs> right, it is. It's going to stop it right there. It right Meridian. Cut back around. You know, they, they, the yeah. historical district, it stopped right at the historical district. Right yeah. There. there you go. Uh, uh, the final, one of the final things I want to say before we wrap this up is uh, 
I, I do think that people, a lot of people do want to see changes. I don't think they really know how to get it. They don't know where to get the information from. Uh, they're being, they're getting conflicted uh, responses from things they try to do. They try to do kneeling, that's wrong. Marching, that's wrong. Uh, protesting, that's wrong. Not saying anything is wrong. Yeah, uh, you, you can put your <laughs> hands up and lay down on the ground, still get shot. Uh, I think police do get an unfair competitive advantage over everybody and everything. They need to change the laws of that because at the end of the day, people say, well, there's some good cops and there's some bad cops. To me, the there's law... There's good people, bad people. How about that? Well, the law says that if you're going out the street and you're trying to kill somebody and I don't try to stop you, I'm an accessory and I'm a accomplice to that. So you can't have... If there's one bad person on my job who kills people, then they're going to fire him pretty quick. But on the police department, they're gonna have to investigate it themselves. Mm-hmm. Then they may have to retrain the man. He didn't know he couldn't put his his knee in that man's neck. He didn't know that if, if the man is running away from him, that his life wasn't in danger, and he had to shoot him 16 times in the back. He didn't know that. He didn't know that if an individual had a concealed carry permit, was reaching to get that out of his wallet. That you told him the, to get. That, that you told him to get. Meanwhile, his wife, fiance, girlfriend in the front seat, and baby girls in the back seat, and you still shoot him. Mm-hmm. And if you're so scared. And he tells you that he has his weapon, he has his concealed carry permit. Yeah. And he still ends up dead. You should do a different job if you're that scared. <laughs> that scared. Because I understand that being a police officer is not the safest job in the world, but you have on a vest, you have a body cam, and you got your fraternal order of backup police to come at your beck and call. It's, I've seen six, seven cop cars come after any guy on traffic stuff. So I understand you're, you're supposed to be scared, but why is it you're not scared when there's other races that you pull over? When they have an AK-47 at you, and you still can take, if you're shot nine people up at a church, you can take in the Burger King? But you weren't scared of him, but a little boy with a toy gun in the park by himself, 11, 12 years old, you scared of him. How can an assailant who's actually actually taken life out of school end up going to McDonald's or a drive-thru at a Burger King and get a sandwich and then be taken? And meanwhile, you have an individual who is, you know, walking down the street or, you know, looks like a, a, a perpetrator, looks suspicious, walking, jaywalking, and now they're arrested. But you have someone who's actually taken life, mm-hmm. and while you have the the not the the authority, no, the responsibility to protect and serve, and yet this person walks away alive, right, sitting in jail, can shoot up a can shoot up a, a church and other locations, mm-hmm. and still be alive, but yet still an individual who is unarmed, who may even be out for a job running away from you. Um, let's be honest, that individual was not the police, but let's be honest, right. that net, the result's still the same. Right. There was one person who was alive, and there's one person who's dead. Yep, and it's normally the same scenario over and over again. But it kind of goes back to slavery. I keep thinking about the question you said, what's changed? Mm-hmm. When you go back to slavery times, a black person would try to escape because things were so bad, he was tired, he runs and flees. You go back and you see him, if you, well, back then your property didn't want to lose you too bad but they would cut your toe off so you can't mm-hmm. run again cut your Achilles or hurt you in some way mm-hmm. but then if you kept running away they just eventually kill you mm-hmm. make an example out of you so isn't that the same thing that's happening now you make an example of somebody you kill them and then you broadcast the wrong thing on the, on the news and media and then people say oh man I can't I can't mess with these people you know because I seen a little girl she was uh, 
this cop came over trying to be all nice to it, and the little girl started crying, put yeah. her hands up. Yeah. Because they know, hey, wait a minute, don't shoot me. Yeah. If little kids are, because you got to have that talk. If you're a black person, unfortunately, Every you got to have a talk with your family. family. You got to have a talk. You got to have that talk. One way or the other, you will have that talk. Yeah, you're right. One way or the other, you're going to have it. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time my daughter had came home and she told me, she said she was in school. She said the cops had came to her school and they were talking to the classroom and this and that. And I didn't say anything. I was just like, hmm, so cops are your friend, huh? I just keep living. Yep. Keep living. <laughs> I didn't have to say anything. So I said, uh, yeah, but you know, that's interesting. But like I said, I don't want to seem like we're bashing the system or we're more pro or, or con either way. I'm just, we're just stating the facts here today. That did for these people to be marching like this and going on and stuff like we said, the Amish people out there. Mm-hmm. This is a serious situation, mm-hmm. and, and um, it, it's not going to last much longer. Either mm-hmm. something's going to happen, or spiritual intervention, or something. But it 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 won't stay the same. Change will come. Yeah, Sam Cook told us, change gonna come. So okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode of What's Up with Ward featuring Trey up. We thank you guys for tuning in and listening, and uh, we invite you guys to come back again or even review this podcast. Listen to it several times. Tell your friends about it, too. And uh, stay tuned for more issues. We're going to talk about uh, having kids in 2020, what's that like? We're going to talk about the, the COVID situation that's going on. we got a couple of doctors we're going to bring on the show. We're going to talk about uh, um, the economy and unemployment abuse, stimulus checks. I mean, we got so much stuff kind of. I, I, I wish we could go ahead and get on it now, but we're going to give you guys a chance to get back to whatever you're doing. And, and, and uh, feel free to uh, send in uh, your questions or comments and let us know if you want to be on the show. We'll be glad to have you. Thank you again for tuning in to What's Up With War featuring Trey. up this is ward how you doing good good all right sorry about the trouble i was having I, I don't know what's going on but you know what i'm gonna make this happen anyway all right <laughs> nice <laughs> all right, i have a uh, tray here and uh trouble jay you guys need to do say hello good afternoon mr royal <laughs> hello hello <laughs> right. i feel like i'm with royalty Start my let me start my intro and then we'll go ahead and get into it. Okay. Uh Trouble J, are you there? Present and accounted for. Okay. Let me just do the intro and then we go ahead and get started, okay? We're gonna edit from this point moving forward. Wow. Oh yeah, and just uh FY uh Steve Royal, not Royale. No, I, just, I was messing with you. I'm sorry, sir. Steve, I told him. <laughs> okay, yeah. I felt I said I was felt like it was with the royalty. <laughs> All right, here, here we go. One, two, three. Good day, everyone, in podcast land. Today is today, and the time is exactly now. I know you guys could be doing so many other things, but at this time, we thank you so much for joining in to What's Up With Ward, featuring Trey and Trouble J. Of course, my name is Ward. Uh, family, how are you guys doing today? Ooh, well, you know, it's, it's about hotter than uh, gravy on the side of a sidewalk, but I'm all right. That's cool. What, what about you, Trouble J? If I was doing any better, I would have to slap somebody. Wow. Okay. Good thing they have mirrors there. All right. Hey, uh, (laughs) friends, we got a great show for you guys today. We have a well-known actor, writer, director, comedian, filmmaker, and influencer extraordinaire. 
by the way of Maryland to Los Angeles, California. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Steve Royal. That's Royal with two L's, so you know this man is the truth. Steve, how are you doing, brother? Hey, well, you you inspired to bring out the greatness of me with all your work, man. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. What you're doing, who you are, what's up with you, and then we'll get into our many questions. Uh, sure. Well, you know, I'm, um, I, I mean, the you did was pretty good. I mean, I'm a, from Maryland. I'm a moved to California. I originally came out here for just acting, and because I got tired of waiting for roles to come my way, I started to, uh, you know, write and direct uh, and do stand-up, and just basically take control of my career instead of waiting for somebody to, you know, quote-unquote, discover me. Right, yeah. Yeah. Now, I didn't know you did stand-up, too. So, I mean... Oh, yeah, well, I... Oh, go ahead? No, go ahead, I'm listening. Well, yeah, I did stand-up for about six years. Wow. Uh, I used to go on the road. Oh, yeah. I uh, did it for a while, and then what happened was I saw this uh, news article where they were talking about web series were like the new Hollywood calling card. Yeah. And at the time, I saw um, Issa Rae have her show, Awkward Black Girl, mm-hmm. and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a quick break from doing stand-up to do a uh, web series. And what ended up happening is it was supposed to only be uh, 10 episodes of this web series called This Indie Thing, and it ended up being uh, 53 episodes. Wow. Oh, wow. That's like two years, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it took me about oh, almost two years. Yeah, that's right. Mm. How does a web series yeah. go? How does that work? You you finance that out your own pocket? I did. And, you know, I, I got I to say, to this day, I still don't understand how I was able to even put the web series together at all. <laughs> um, because what happened was, uh, you know, so usually when, when you shoot a web series, you bring in actors, and you bring in a, a crew, you know, a camera guy, a sound person, whatever. Well, uh, because I was financing it myself, I was not able to afford a crew at all. Mm. So I had to be the uh, the crew and the actor in the project. Mm. Yeah, so I put the camera on the tripod. I put the, uh, the mic on like a little like um, on top of the camera um, and then I bought a mic stand and yeah I, I was just and I bought a, a little monitor so that I could like adjust my shelves right mm-hmm. okay yeah and I would just hit I would just touch the cord and uh, and then I would kick in front of the camera and, and just say action and me and the actors would, uh, would just start acting Wow, that's a, did you have like you go to YouTube to learn how to do all this, or you just just like on the fly? Or? Uh, so what I did was I took um, cinematography classes okay. at uh, uh, LA Community College, and then also uh, there's books. Um, there's, uh, at Barnes and Noble, I would I would get some books on you know camera angles and camera techniques, and so 
it's but amazing. It, but I, I have to, I have to like um, thank the actors for even giving me the chance to do it because you know, and, and for trusting me that I would be able to deliver like a, a, a good product. Because I mean, just imagine if you go to someone's apartment and they're like, you know, they just have a camera on a tripod. They're like, all right, we're going to shoot a webcam. <laughs> You're like, well, where's the crew? Right. There's no crew. Like, uh, <laughs> <just me>. Right here. <laughs> you're, the, you're the crew, you're the grappler, you're the best boy, you're, you're running the cables, you're yeah. doing, <laughs> sitting the microphones, you're the caterer, you're the safety guy. Man. Did you, you did your own stunts? <laughs> Man. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so, much. So you couldn't find anybody to volunteer to be a PA? Uh, well, here in L.A., uh, people are like, hey, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not doing it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to find. I mean, I, I, I know they exist because I have put out ads, uh, mm -hmm. but it's, it's very difficult to find those people who are going to actually be committed and not play. Because there's a lot of places in town. Okay. You know, Steve, let me ask you a quick question. This is Trey. You know, I started hearing you talk about, you know, the, the, the web series you had going on there from, you know, 53 episodes. And, you know, you're doing every, all this yourself and how it kind of took off. It really reminded me, there was this little film back in 1999. Uh, they did the, the filming on their own. Maybe you heard of it. It's, it's called the, the Blur Witch Project. Now... <laughs> Personally, that's not my genre that I'm into because, you know, I, I, I frighten very easily. Me too. Um, but they took their, their own budget of 60K, 60 stacks, and flipped that into $250 million. What? So They made $250 million? $250 million gross. Man, I'm about to get, yeah. about to get so, a tripod too. You know, I'm not that photogenic, <laughs> but if you need me to, like, move a, you know, a camera around for you, you know, make some sandwiches. <laughs> um, you know what? I have a face for radio, so there you know he does whatever you need, man. <laughs> let, let, let me ask you this, Steve. Here's my question. Now, I found you on Instagram, and I, I did a little research on it. I know that you were saying that TikTok wasn't necessarily something you were going to do. Is is Instagram uh, more your fit, or are you trying different avenues? So. Uh, Right now, I just do um, Instagram, but I was just, obviously, so funny you should bring this up, like, I was just talking to a friend of mine two weeks ago, and he was like, you really need to get on TikTok. Uh, I opened up an account, and I posted one video, and, you know, I realized, because it doesn't have a lot of views, I realized, okay, this is something I have to really invest some time in right. to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like how I did with the uh, Instagram channel. So mm -hmm. I feel like I've gotten a little lazy with the Instagram channel because I already I, I worked hard to build up the audience, and so I've been kind of posting a little bit now. Uh, but yeah, I, I see I have to 
I personally, uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Trace. No, no, this is Ward. I was saying. I, I really enjoy Instagram myself. I, I don't like uh, TikTok. I mean, I see it. I mean, I see all the young you kids. All the millennials. I know, right? But I, I, I like what you do on Instagram because, I mean, your stories are funny, man. I mean, you, you do so many I really like. Like, I wonder that one you did with the race war. How, did, did you steal that from uh, the <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Is that kind of what that I was? Did. I, it was a Mr. Yeah, it was a Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Smith Yeah. Okay. That was funny, man. I said, "How? What, what do you come up with your ideas? And is, is, is a lot of stuff you're, you're repurposing, or some stuff is just real life? But you seem like the like the guy next door, like a guy that like I kick it with, you know?" Okay, yeah, thanks. yeah. So basically, um, I do a lot of writing. So I, I have a lot of friends who um, are, I guess, want to be content. Okay. So when I, let me, I would go back a little bit. When I did, uh, when I first started Wait What Comedy, it was actually supposed to be a group channel. Mm. And we had, um, it was actually, originally it was like five of us. But what happened was people slowly started like dropping out because they didn't have like the, I guess the commitment to constantly come up with like sketches each week. Mm-hmm. So they would always be like, oh, I can't, I, I'm I'm hanging out, I'm going to a club, I'm going to the beach, I'm going to this party, stuff like that. But for me, uh, because I'm very serious, so like, I guess I, I guess sacrifice the, you know, the personal life for now, and I'm constantly writing. Like, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not editing, I'm writing, if I'm not writing, I'm editing, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I, too, have a similar work ethic, but mine is motivated by not having any friends because people don't like me. Mm. But I understand exactly what you're talking about. That's true. Nobody likes her. Okay, so, Steve, do you do you keep, like, your inspiration notepad by your bed? Like, if something strikes you at 2 o'clock in the morning, you say, I got to write this down now before I forget. Is that, do you kind of sit back and let things evolve on their own? Or if inspiration hits, do you kind of just take it and run with it? Ah, okay. Uh huh. If an idea pops up, I just uh, write it down into the, uh, the notepad of my phone. Right, right. And then I'll work on that sketch idea and try to like grow it for the next sketch. Gotcha. See, I just felt like I just aged myself. Do you have a notebook that you keep by your nightstand? Because uh, <laughs> what happened was my fountain pen broke one day. Some people do like to write. I like to write, you know, I really do like to write myself. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I used to like to write. I used to like to write. I actually have an envelope, a manila envelope full of Ideas um, that I that stuck, and I just haven't looked at
Wow. Well, right. technically, she's really tall. That's why she's your biggest fan. But that's a whole other issue. Right. So, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I am. Mean, I'm five eight. It's true. It's I did not. <laughs> something real quick so but you originally are you originally from maryland is that correct did i hear that correctly yes i'm originally from maryland okay okay now here's i got i'm gonna put maryland folks on blast for just one quick second here do my research now i've been to maryland i've been to a couple of restaurants and then they they, they know for their crab cakes i'm not gonna lie they're pretty good but would you not believe the best crab cakes ever had was in nashville tennessee can you believe that okay what's up <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm sorry. I, I I couldn't believe it. I said, well, okay. There's this restaurant that will be name be nameless because I don't want to put them out there like that. Put them out there. Okay, Timbuktu. Uh, that's the name of the restaurant, Timbuktu. If you're still open, you know, I'll, 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 you need to work on your batter because it's, it's, it ain't on point. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Well, well, I'm just saying. Why people think we're angry? I'm, I'm not. I'm not angry. I'm just. We just. We're among friends here, so I figured by way of Maryland, you you would know where where the best crab cakes are. You know, just keep heading, you know, you know, west to hit Nashville, and uh, you should get some pretty good crab cakes. That's well, what I'm well, saying. First of all, I don't even know what a crab cake is. It, it sounds That's because you thought he said the best time he ever caught crab. Oh, oh that oh, might have been. I, oh, oh, um, what, what's a crab cake? Is that just like a, like a, a biscuit with crabs in it or something? No, brother, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to Google like, that. It's like they take a, a lump of like a lump of crab meat and then you put it in the frying pan and then you just season it and fry yeah, it on both sides. Like croquettes, like salmon like croquettes. It's almost like a burger kind of. But it's got meat. It's got like bread on it. Breading. It's, it can be breaded. Yeah. Like a cake. It's a cake though. No, it's not a cake. Why would we call it crab? Uh, I wouldn't call it a cake. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. I'll Google it. He. <laughs> Let, let, let me, let we me just lost on. the Maryland market I'm on behalf of everyone in. Let, let me move on to another question because I don't know what a crab cake is. Here's another question I got for you. Now, um, I see you you working with your guy David Space there, and you, word on the curb is you guys are going to try to come up with a buddy buddy film here. Uh, is that going to be this year? Is that something that works? Where are we at on that? And how'd you meet David too? Wow, you, you did some research. Uh, 
Don't turn around. We're right behind you. More like that one guy that we don't know about anymore from uh, uh, the talent sing show that we don't know about no more. Oh, really? Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, him. No, you know. I'm just saying. Let, uh, let, let me go to my, my next question I got here. Uh, 
you said you uh, did stand up. Uh, what, what was that like? What was your first time like up there, getting up on on doing a front of a crowd? The first time? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because that first time seems to be for a lot of people like the the make or break you right there. She's here all week. Steve Harvey too. Yeah, you guys aware of that? Or my oh, yeah, because they, they stopped talking to each other, and like ten years that went by, and then Mark Curry confronted him, and he kind of admitted it. Because I, you know, I have mixed emotion on it because I read this book called "Still Like an Artist," and they encourage people. He to, stole the book, but that's another <laughs> issue. So I did steal it, but but the book encourages people to do that. He he, he calls it extended borrowing. <laughs> Would you say, Steve? Harvey or Mark Curry? Uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mark said that Steve stole it from him. Wow. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I don't think people would really get that upset that long if it really didn't happen. But then again, it's hard because, you know, Steve Harvey's kind of rich. 
So not that he can't do it, but right. people are going to tend to gravitate more towards Steve, I think, in this situation. But Mark is adamant that he stole his skit. I'm like, but mm, well, who's been in the game longer? I don't know. It seemed like they both been in for a minute. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 but how do you feel when that happens to you, Steve? Yeah. to it because you're doing it the right way because you know what I'm saying I, I don't know I, I don't know I, I might be tempted to just say hey I really appreciate you you doing that I did it before too and that's great this is great you know you never know they because I think in Hollywood you had to be careful too don't you because you never know who's the next big thing you know mm-hmm. and you don't want to step on toes um <laughs> we we seen that Martin episode. Look, let me ask you. This. I know you you do a lot of comedy, but I saw one uh one post you you talked about the the writing. I thought that was uh I could see it in your face. You were you were you, you were really pensive about it, and you you had mentioned that. Maybe people are looting for other reasons other than, I mean, they really didn't care about Floyd so much. Maybe they just were in it for whatever. And just, just what, are, what, are your, yeah, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? I mean, I, I, I don't know about how, how the police really are out there other than what you guys are, what I'm hearing in the news. I mean, I don't know if it's really that bad there. I mean, what, what's your take on this situation? Right. And 
building is going down the wall. But is it really? Because you're really just the insurance company is going to cover it. So you're right. not really, you know, doing it. But if you if you do, you know, stop shopping at a store and stop uh, giving that business, yeah, you you will get the same results. And the great thing is that building will still be there. Your neighborhood will still look beautiful. So yeah, I I, I just didn't understand that part. Okay. Well, what do you think about Terry Crews and how he's being criticized, you know, as a black man that's always been viewed as so strong because of his size and his his history in sports? Do you have an opinion about how people are treating him because of the things that he said about the issue? He can bring that on himself. Well, yeah. Do you I, know? I, do you know about that, what he said? Sure. I, I saw like the few comments. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I get what he's trying to say, but then <laughs> he, I guess it's not coming out right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like what he's saying about the, what is it, uh, he said black, uh, black supremacy. Black supremacy. Yeah, basically saying that, that yeah. just because black lives matter doesn't mean that black people should uh, be better or, or supremacist, something like that, something to the effect that um, they See, we don't even know what he said, but we know he's wrong, whatever he did. I shouldn't say he's wrong. Right, but that's what he was getting dragged for. He, he was saying, you know, all lives matter. Is that he said that? Yeah. All lives. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think he's, he's uh, not saying it right. So that, yeah, I was trying to figure it out myself. I was like, well, wait, does he think, like, you know, um, black people are going to suddenly become... Black supremacists like we're going to be like you know uh, lynching white people or like I, I, I didn't understand exactly what he was trying to say or is he saying like we're going to be like we're thinking we're better than anyone like I, I yeah I I, kept, I wasn't fully understanding what he was trying to say right yeah that's right uh, he, he said if you if you let me uh, he said um, are all white are all black people good. No. He said, I stand on my decision to unite with good people no matter the race, creed, or ideology. I don't understand why he's saying anything anyway. I don't, I don't see how he's helping with any of this. That's right. Yeah. I'm a human rights advocate, not a human wrongs advocate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Hey, let, let me ask you this. Uh, um, I heard that Kanye is said he wants to run for president now. What, what's your thoughts on that? I saw that. Uh huh. I think. Yeah, I think that that's ridiculous, especially uh, coming in. Okay. So here's my theory on that. With with him coming in or trying to come in so late in the game, is people are like, oh, I don't like Trump. I don't like Biden. Right. So there's people who are like, I'm not going to really vote for either, which is ridiculous because if you don't vote, then, there's, then Trump is going to win because he's got like a rabid fan base. <laughs> so they'll, they'll vote. And so I feel like if, with Kanye coming in, people are going to be like, oh, Kanye's coming in. Oh, this will this be fun to vote for Kanye. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so you're going to have like some young people splitting the vote. That, yeah. Which is also going to help Trump. That's exactly what it is. Would vote, yeah, the people who would vote for Kanye 
are the people who should be voting for Biden. And so, yeah, that's just, it's, uh, it's basically helping Trump. Exactly. And you know, he's so. friends with Trump. So I kind of think, yeah. I mean, that's an old tactic back in the days. You, you, you split people up and you, because you're not, you're staying divided, you fall. So mm. I think Trump might be a little worried about that. So, hey, why not have this guy come out here and throw a monkey wrench in the program? I mean, it's pretty brilliant. I mean, people think Trump's an idiot. I can't say either or not, but I think that's a, his team is working out some good stuff for him at least. So in essence, what basically what's happening to do that, that it's, it's gerrymandering the vote, where you're, you're basically splitting up a certain demographic or a certain group of individuals where but they lose power through that separation of division of power. So that makes, that makes sense. My only concern is, no, I'm not sure how everyone will feel with all those Kardashians in the White House, but that's a whole other <laughs> issue. So, you know. I don't think it could get any worse. Uh, right. I don't think it could get any worse. That's a whole other issue, you know. Yeah. So, so Steve, do you do you have to filter your content uh, based off of future earnings? Is it something? Is it something you won't do? Something you won't go? It's comedy you won't touch. Uh, so, <laughs> with I, I do have one rule with my comedy: you will never hear the N word in my sketches. Mm -hmm. Okay, why is that? Yeah, well, actually, uh, uh, well. And, and when I have the actors come in, I tell them that they have free reign. They can say anything they want except that. And so, of course, I've had a couple of actors who are so used to saying it, you know, they'll they'll say it, and then I'm like, cut, cut, we got to do it again. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, you know. Mm. But, yeah, I, that, that's, the, that's the only rule. And I, I do that for two reasons. One, okay, so when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to say it all the time, mm. right? And, yeah, I did, which is bad. And what happened, because all my friends would say it, and I would just say it along with them. But one day, um, I was watching uh, Richard Pryor interview, and Richard said that he wasn't going to say the word anymore. And I was like a big fan of Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. This was even before I was even interested in acting or comedy at all. I, you know, uh, I thought I was going into a career in law enforcement, actually. Uh, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Richard, he said that, and then I was like, you know what, from this point on, I'm, I'm not going to say it anymore, because there's really no, no point in, there's no reason to say it. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first thing. And then the second thing, it was, um, well, what solidified it even more. I mean, it was only solidified, but what, what really solidified it was when uh, Dave Chappelle had the Chappelle show, mm -hmm. and, you know, he said he did that one sketch, and there was like that one white executive that was laughing a little too hard mm -hmm. yeah. and he was just like you know yeah that and plus you have like a lot of um, you know um, rappers who are they'll say it and then what happens is the audience who is not black feels oh well such and such rapper said it in their song it so must be okay I'm just repeating the legend uh, right. yeah, yeah so. <clears throat> I don't want anybody to like look at my sketches and be like hey remember da -da 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 -da, and just repeat Mm. Uh, top three. You know, of course, the classic. Top three? 
No, no, no. I, no, no, leave it open. I want to hear what he says. Yeah, I, I, I want to hear what he says. Uh, so, yeah. I, well, okay, so if, it, if, I, if I have three reigns, it would be uh, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, Lil Seinfeld. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Wanda Sykes. Wow. Um, Jim Cherry. So, yeah, I like, I like them. I like all of them, too. What do we think about Roy Woods, Jr.? You know, I actually, uh, I, I used to do stand-up at the last Factory uh, with Roy. What? Before he, like, oh, yeah. He now, did he like take your material? It was, that's well, it was him. It was that's him, wasn't it? it. Yeah. That was him. No, it was wow. him, wasn't it? We cracked the mystery. <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> wow. I'm not listening to Roy Woods again. <laughs> I told you he wasn't right. <laughs> Man, you you doing something right? So I mean, I, I talked to him. Uh, he came uh, to Indianapolis, did a uh, show or two, and I talked to him a couple times. So he said he was gonna come on the show, but you know everybody say that. But uh, he, I like his style. He, he, you you kind of remind me him. Your flow is kind of like he is. Not that you're stealing his stuff, but I, I see you guys have uh, you that that it's almost like you guys are talking about a serious matter, but you make it funny. I mean, I guess it's an art to that. So I, I really appreciate that you guys can do that. Um, Next question I got here. Tell me about why you hate L.A. Why do I hate L.A.? Yeah, that was your, what you, did you do a writer on that movie? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Tell me about I, I don't hate L.A. Uh, so the, what happened with that, um, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw, there's a movie called um, Paris, I Love You. I didn't see that one. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, you got to check it out. So okay. basically, well, there's a Paris I Love You and there's a New York I Love You. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, what it is is Paris I Love You is 22 directors. He's doing a five-minute film about some aspect of Paris. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's real good. So there's like, uh, you know, Wes Craven. Um, what's his... Uh, Gosh, I can't even say. It's, it's like a whole bunch of different directors. He's doing a little short film. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I saw that they had Paris I Love You and New York I Love You, but there was no L.A. I Love You. And I thought, oh, okay, so a lot of people are always say, oh, I hate L.A. You, you always say, oh, I hate L.A. But people, a lot of people never leave L.A. Right. So I thought, you know what, why don't, why don't I do a, like, you know, bring in a few uh, all-black directors male and female, mm-hmm. and we each do, like, a little film about a piece of L.A. Hmm. Okay. And I was like, I can't believe no one's ever done this before. <laughs> and, and so what happened was, originally, I had, um, I think it was maybe 12 directors, and we each would do, like, an 8 to 10 minute movie. And, like, basically the movie fell apart. Mm-hmm. Like none of us are famous here, and it's just, 
like there's so many people who are like quick to judge people, you know, hmm. like, oh, I, I don't want to be a part of that project because that person is part of it because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not great. If they're not as good as me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, y'all, y'all really have some egos out here. So hmm. it started out at 12, and then it ended up being, um, I think we had, we probably ended with about six or seven directors. And we were, um, to save money, we each would work on each other's projects. Mm. So I basically worked on uh, four people's projects. Okay. Four people's short films. Mm. Yeah. Um, and when we finished shooting their project, two of those directors, because it was like we were supposed to make one project, one big feature film. But what happened was they were submitting their own short films to festivals. Hmm. Okay. So it was like, well, yeah, so I was like, well, wait, you know, we're, we're supposed to be working together. And they were like, well, it's taking too long. <laughs> I, I'm just going to submit my own film. So, yeah, so it was like they got three, three help on their film. Wow. And they just, yeah, it was like everybody, like, I mean, it was crazy. It was like a crab in the bucket. Crab cakes. Crab cakes. Bro, it's crab cakes, bro. That's what we call back, my friend. That's what we call back. It's crazy. Like, there's no, like, like it's hard to find people who are, like, loyal. Like, serious and loyal. Yeah. Yeah. And work as a unit. Like, everybody's out for themselves. So, it took that major film, and now it's a bunch of. So, is it now considered more of, like, short segments or short short films now or what what, what happened with it when they decided to pull the part of the piece of the of the, uh, the movie there well no so once once uh cause two, okay so like i said we got we went from 12 to 6 and then two of those direct two of those six directors submitted their own short film to different festivals okay um and so it was just the four of us and i was just like you know what just pull the plug you know Mm. I got to try this again with some, you know, more... Like-minded folks or serious, yeah. Direct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. See, I have a, I had a similar thought in mind doing something like that in indie, but it's going to be like uh, indie yite, you know, something like that, you know. But, <laughs> it's aight. Uh, it's aight. <laughs> Come to. <laughs> um, now, uh, you were involved with uh, uh, K-Town too, right? Yeah, I wrote K-Town. Wow, that was all you. Okay. See, I, 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 did, I didn't know too much about that one, but t- can you give me a little background on that that one, that particular one? Yeah, so uh, I had watched, uh, I think it was, um, I think it might have been either Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman, one of those Christopher Guest movies uh, where there's an outline for the movie and then you basically just have the actors improv their lines. So I would give them their character, and I would tell them what they're going to do in the scene, and then they would just act it out. Okay. And, it was, and it was shot like a documentary style. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, and so that was, technically, I would say that was my first time trying to make a feature. Mm-hmm. It is a feature length. But um, I don't really count it as my first feature because it was it was just me and I had a friend of mine holding the mic, so it was just the two of us shooting this movie. Wow, man! I gotta give it to you. You're using lean techniques that uh, he's making it do what he got to do with what he got, you know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Man. Yeah, I have so many friends who 
you know, like I have a friend, she's a writer, and she's been a writer for years. And mm-hmm. she has never tried to get anything produced. She just is constantly writing sketches and just putting them in a box. And I'm like, I'm like, telling her, like, yo, you need to be putting this work out there. You know, like, this stuff is, I mean, it's not doing anyone any good just sitting here in a box. So yeah. I have a lot of people who are just afraid to just take that leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it is happening. Yeah. So what, what would you what, what what does a person do? I mean, if they got this content and and everything, what what do you do? How do you how does a normal person like a uh, Trouble J what what would she do with her content? Like? Well, you said first you said normal, so <laughs> Trouble J, I got you. We, we got you. We got you. Not okay. normal. Not. I, I mean. <laughs> How do you do it, Steve? How do you get it from point A to point Z in somebody's hand? Or what would you suggest? Sure. Well, okay. So right now, I think it's a great time to be a content creator because there's so many outlets um, to, you know, to get your, your work out there. So I would say first, like, if you have a, like, okay, so if you have a script, then what you need to do is you need to go on, like, like a trade list um, and try to find like a crew that will work for free or for cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you can find like some, um, some students. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah. If you go to like the, the community colleges or like the universities, you go to like their film departments, you look for film students and you can find some people who are like just starting out. Maybe they don't have a lot of credits, but, you know, they, they're hungry for work and they're hungry for uh, material that they can show off their skills. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I told her this. I was like, yo, you should just go to like a college and look for, for crew members. You know, but she, she won't do that. And oh. so I, I can only like <laughs> advise so much. Like I can't spend time like constantly, hey, you should, you should do that. So it's like, hey, I already told you what to do. Mm-hmm. And you can you know, making decisions from there, but yeah. I gotta keep it moving. Right, right. Yeah, change is hard for a lot of people, so I, I can understand her hesitancy there, because, but you know, I'm glad you're supporting her. You had, you had mentioned earlier that you had, like, Seinfeld. He's one of my favorites. Uh, what, what about him, what about his style that did, did you like, or do you appreciate about Seinfeld? So, the thing I like about Seinfeld is a lot of his comedy, and, which, which actually inspired me, is he takes stuff from everyday life mm-hmm. yeah. and he makes it makes it into uh, you know a joke or an episode of his, of his show or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. so I like that like I have I have all of the um, Seinfeld DVDs except for season 9 which I'm probably going to order at some point I'm just yeah I get to it but yeah I, I have all the, the DVDs mm-hmm. Seinfeld show I love this show okay. and uh, I'm also a fan of uh, I forgot Larry David. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's brilliant, man. I mean, him and this. Uh, well, I mean, the amount of money those two have made together is is, is crazy. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously, they're they're doing yeah. it. So, you know. But that being said, though, here, let, let me ask you a quick question. Speaking of, you know, this that success that Larry that that. Jerry Seinfeld had on the show, and Julia, and you know everyone who was on that show. Have you ever noticed that 
individually, they haven't had that same collective success as as, the, as that one big show did together. What what do you think typically drives that? I mean, it's kind of like uh, like Jason Alexander. I think he's you know he's done some really good stuff, had some really good movies, you know, before and after the fact. But it doesn't seem like it's reached that same threshold as as George Costanza off of Seinfeld, mm-hmm. or even you right. know, or Kramer. You know, he he had a spinoff once as well. Or you take any show, it kind of seems like you know, ever if there's an opportunity for those main characters to kind of do a spinoff and do their own life away from that show, it doesn't seem to work out as well. What, what do you think typically drives that? Is it is it the writing? Is it the character not being as strong? By themselves, what do you thought? What's your thought on that? Sure. Well, um, I think it's because people see them as the Seinfeld characters because mm-hmm. those characters were so iconic yeah. that no matter what roles that you see them doing, you're always going to be like, "Oh, that's Kramer playing a different role." Or that's, mm-hmm. You know, George Costanza. You know. Yeah. Now, I think um, Julia. She has a. Yeah, she has a couple that, shows. Uh, a couple. Mm-hmm. That show, New Adventures of. New Adventures of Old Christine. Old Christine, yeah. Yes. She and, had a couple, a couple and, seasons uh, of that. And the vice, she was the vice president on the show. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Veep or VP, yep. Well, like you said, they, 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 they're they basically typecasted. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. But I, I, yeah. I think yeah, that chemistry is, is good there, too. That's basically what it is. Let me ask you this. Which show is better, Friends or Living Single? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, brother. See, there's that mirror for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. So, I, you know, I, I never really watched Friends. I don't have them against my kids, loved it, but I don't know. I just Something about living single that just resonated with me, you know? I just I just like that show, oh, man. Yeah, Great sure. show. Um, yeah, I tried to watch a couple episodes of Friends. It just wasn't for me. Right, yeah. I don't have nothing against them. It's just I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But you know, so uh, what what, what, are, what yeah, other comedy shows do you watch? Do you like? I know you like Blackish. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so I'm gonna say real quick, another show I don't get that's so popular is Big Bang Theory. Oh my god! <laughs> I tried to watch it. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Right, yeah. Like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't really watch a lot of. Um, obviously, I like Blackish. I like uh, Family Guy. Family Guy is another one that I like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but most of the stuff that I watch would be. Um, it's actually more drama. I watch a lot of drama. Mm, okay. So I watch like. Um, like I, my, I used to like Gotham. Um, I okay. like the hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Alias. Uh, oh my gosh, that was my show. I've seen every episode. What, what about oh, a, yeah. a, I'm, I'm actually catching up now. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what about uh, Atlanta? I have only seen a couple of uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. I like I like Atlanta. The thing is, okay, so right now I don't have cable anymore. Oh. You gave up on that, or you just yeah. too busy? Yeah, so what happened was, uh, when I was at L.A. City College, one of my teachers, he had he gave us an assignment where he told us to, uh, for one week, 
to just document what we did every hour of every day Ooh, for one week. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very eye-opening. <laughs> and I probably should do it again because I feel like uh, I, I waste a lot of time. And at that, when I did that assignment, I realized I am watching, you know, cable. I'm watching, you know, uh, movies, TV shows. Like, I'm just like... So much time is getting wasted. Like, it, like it, when I added it all up together, it was about eight to ten hours a day. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so that's what, yeah, so I realized, so I'm like, I was like, so that's why stuff isn't getting done. Because I'm, you know, watching TV a couple hours here in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon, a couple hours in the evening. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. Yep, you're right. So I had to, I had to cut that distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and the internet. You're um, right. I mean, I, I watch the internet on my phone, so I, I have Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So I watch stuff on there, but, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> that stuff is what? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Definitely that. Oh, okay. Um, well, looks like our time is just about up here. So, the last question I want to ask you before I move on is, uh, what, what's something that you would want somebody to ask you? What would you ask you if you were us? Well, we could we could uh, table that one and come back. It's just something to think about. I I, I can hit you with this. Yeah. Are there any any books that uh, that you like reading? Any good books out there that kind of moved you? Uh, actually, it's fun. okay. So I just grabbed this book that I Right there. Ding 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 ding. All right. You were good at Scrabble too, weren't you? <laughs> 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 you guys did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those big cats. You said I was bougie. Bad spelling and bougie. You said it first. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember that, but okay. All right. Well, uh, one thing we do when we end the show is we get let everybody give love. Word of advice, and we go around robbing. So let, let's just start off our word of advice. I'll start mine. Now, one of my favorite uh, authors, Zig Ziglar, said, "Anything worth doing is worth doing wrong until you can do it right." Hmm. hmm. What you got, Trey? Well, here, here's something I was thinking about. Kind of, I'm gonna take a little spin off of, of, of our, our our guests here. Mr. Steve, you know, you got to protect your brand. I like that. And avoid the counterfeiters. Not saying that people are going to borrow your stuff without, you know, you know, protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> In all areas of life, protect yourself. How about that? Is that what you're trying to say? Protect yourself. I got, I'm, let me write that down. Protect <laughs> yourself. Yourself. Trouble, James. Before you wreck yourself, because stealing Steve's stuff is bad for you. Hey, can I use that? <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. Trouble Jay. What you got for us? Well, as the world's best infant 
best in your field if you really feel like you are the best in your field. Okay. Because if right. you do not, I wasn't done. Oh. If you don't, then you make room for someone else to come in and be the best. If you don't Ooh. tell yourself you're already the best. Wow, that's a lot. D, we we uh, I'm tr- still writing that down. Can you repeat that one more time? No, we don't have time. But but Steve, get, get, tell us your information where people can find you at on uh, your social media. Oh wait, I don't get to tell any of your Oh, go ahead, go ahead. We, we only got a minute left, but go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just gonna say like never tell, let, let, never let anyone tell you you can't do anything. There's yes. a lot of people who yes. are like, oh, you can't do that. You can't, you know, you'll never make it. Like never listen to those people. Yes. All right. And give us your social media address again. Yes, uh, my social media is Wait What Comedy. And and the backup. Yeah. Yeah. On Instagram is Wait What Comedy, and on Facebook it's just Steve Royal. I also have Wait What Comedy on Facebook as well. Okay. And you got a backup account for us too. Okay. And I think uh, TikTok, I think it's also, it's either the mind of Steve Royal on TikTok or it's, um, wait, with comedy. Okay. Nice. All right. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up here. Again, we thank you for calling in and we thank you guys for listening to What's Up Award. Thank you again, Steve, for your time, bro. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right. All right. Thank y'all. All right. Take it easy, man.